I'm so glad you're here. All right, so diving right in. Uh, how many like this time of year? Thanksgiving, Christmas, you like the, yeah, the music? How many like Christmas music, but not yet? How many like it like right now, it doesn't matter, all year round? Okay, you know, I'm a like Thanksgiving and on. You know, that's when, that's the cutoff for me, but my wife is watching Hallmark movies already. I'm not, um, but she is. So it's the most generous time of the year, right? Uh, Thanksgiving, we help those in need. We help uh, maybe the church on a project or at Christmas time. Uh, we're giving gifts. We're helping the needy. It, it is really the most generous time of the year. But I want to suggest to you maybe a lifestyle of generosity, now, when you think of generosity, we all think perhaps the first thing of is money. When you could be generous with money, and that's of course part of being generous. But I want to, I want to maybe enlarge that definition a little bit. Instead of just money, I want you to think of generosity um, as a lifestyle in every area of your life. So, in other words, you're living from a position. Of, of generosity. You're living from a position of full, a position of joy, rather than a position of always need. A position of, 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 of stinginess, perhaps, in, in areas of our lives. Jesus talks about this, this generosity, in the Sermon on the Mount in Luke chapter 6. And here's, if you want to read it with me, it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, and or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will come. Will your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured out into your lap. Listen to this: the amount you give will determine the amount you give back. In all of these areas. See, this has been interpreted many times in the context of money, but it's in every area as you release or are generous with grace, as you're generous with compassion rather than judgment, rather than condemnation, as you're generous with forgiveness, as you're generous, generous in giving, it comes back to you and the amount that you give grace, the amount that you give in compassion or forgiveness or in your resources, it comes back to you. And this is the idea that generosity is everything. That it, all of our lives that we have to offer, as Jesus talks about this, and it's not just giving, it's in every area. Proverbs chapter 11 says it like this, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. That doesn't make sense to the world, but it, it just happens that way. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers one. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. And here's the idea, is that the more that you give, the more that you receive. Now, we know this is a principle of the Word of God, but why do we find it sometimes in our lives so hard to be generous? And again, please don't think just in terms of money. That has, that's really the least of what I'm talking about today. It's, in gener it's ge being generous in every area of your life. So why is that so important? I want you to hold that thought just for a second. I want to tell you a story. 
Um, I ride motorcycles. It's a passion of mine. Besides what I do for the Lord and my family, and, and we have a grandbaby. Now we have our first grandbaby. I have a picture. No, I'm kidding. We don't have a picture. But, but um, besides all that, I, I love motorcycle riding. And so my son and I, we've ridden all over, uh, mostly the West, Colorado, Montana, Idaho, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, all over Texas. We're going to the California next year, Pacific Coast Highway, Washington State, Oregon. So anyway, um, I love it. 2011, Gene, my good friend and I, he is the assistant fire chief in um, Richardson, Texas, and we took a trip to the Grand Canyon on our motorcycle. So we left Dallas on a Sunday afternoon, stayed the night in Amarillo, went to Gallup, New Mexico, and then went into Williams, Arizona. And we went to the North Rim, the South Rim, Sedona. We went through, we hiked down into the Grand Canyon. That was a big mistake. Never do that unless, you know, well, anyway, you can if you want, but it's, 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 uh, it's a lot of, it's a long way back up. Let me just tell you that. Anyway, second to the last day, so six days of riding there and back. Second to the last day, we're getting ready to head back to uh, Texas. We're in Page, Arizona, which is northern Arizona. And we were leaving there, going back through Utah to go through Monument Valley and Mexican Hat. I don't know if you've ever been through there. It's just beautiful, the formation. Anyway, so we're, we're going through there. We leave early in the morning. It's freezing cold. It's in the 30s, upper 30s when we left. And, and so we drive and drive and, and looking at the scenery, it's just beautiful, just beautiful. If you've never been out there, you need to go. About 50 miles into the ride, there was a tiny little area with a gas station, okay? Well, we're only 50 miles in and we have 120, 130 miles on the tank. So we just skipped that gas station and said, we'll go to the next one. Well, there was no next one. And, and the, the, I saw the needle going down, and then on, a, on a motorcycle, you have a, a light that goes on, and that tells you that you're in reserve, okay? So you have about 30 miles, 25 or 30 miles, depending on your gas uh, mileage and, and all that stuff. So, I mean, I saw that light come on, and I, seriously, I'm in the middle of nowhere in Indian Reservation, Utah, and I'm just going, man, I did not care anything about what we were seeing at that point. Does that make sense? I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't remember anything except that green light. It was a green light or red light, I can't remember, on my bike. And it was telling me that I only had a little bit to go. I mean, we were going and going and going. So finally, we come to this area, and uh, there's a prison and a police station. We finally pull in there, and we're just like, man, what do you do? There's no gas station. We go into there, and then we ask them, hey, where's the next gas station? They said, oh, the next one is five miles down the road. Now, you could have said 500, right? Because it was think, I was thinking we're going to die right in the middle of the desert in Utah. We're going to die. We're not going to, we're going to push our bikes like wild hogs. If you've seen that movie anyway. So, so we've, you know what, we know what happens. God enlarged that tank and we, no, I'm kidding. He did not. We made it. We made it to the next gas station, but it was frightening. I mean, I will say frightening. That sounds weird, but it was just like nerve wracking. We were so stressed, both of us were so stressed because we're in the middle of nowhere. And you're wondering right now, what does this story have to do with generosity, right? I mean, what does this have to do with what you're talking about? I want to show you a picture on the screen of what I'm talking about because many of us live our lives, our lives right here. We live our lives on empty emotionally sometimes, physically, spiritually, uh, mentally, we live our lives on empty. And here's the deal. I'm going to put it on the screen like this, this quote. When we live with no margin, 
in our lives. At some point, life stops working the way it was meant to live. We were, we were live. And generosity is more, listen, about receiving rather than giving. Because when I was in the desert on that bike, I was only thinking about what I needed. I was only thinking about me. I did not care about the scenery. I didn't care about Gene. In fact, I was mad at Gene because he didn't stop at the first gas station, right? And I was following him. So I was like, man, well, this is crazy. Because it becomes, listen, when you have no margin in your life, it becomes more about you than it does about anything else. And many of us are living our lives. And, and, and the, the, the reason I feel like that generosity eludes us is because of margin or because of the lack of. There's just not a lot of margin in our lives. And so being generous is, is, is just kind of one of those things, it's, it's all about me. So I think there's some reasons why margin is so hard for us in our culture. And I know we're fast-paced. You got kids and you got activities and we all have things going on. But in our hearts, in our lives, when you run on empty, generosity is not a thought. And, and margin becomes key in living our lives the way Jesus meant. Because when he talks about forgiveness, when he talks about condemnation, or when he talks about judgment, or he talks about forgiveness, he's talking about the way that we live our lives. Because we are the light to this world, we are salt to this earth, but when we, of all the people on the planet, we should be the most generous people in all of those areas, on social media, in every area, I won't talk about that, but I mean, we should be representing the heart of Jesus in every area of our lives, but the reason we don't, I really believe, is because of margin. So let me talk to you about that. Talk to you about five reasons why I think margin is so hard for us. And the first one is misplaced priorities. And this, is, this, this has to do with, with heart. This has to do with where our heart is. Because when your heart is about you, then everything is about you. But when the heart is considered, or your priorities are about him, everything changes. Let me read Matthew chapter six, verse 31. It says, don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the heart or the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. So in other words, trust him, seek first, or seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, here's the deal about priority. When the priority is out of whack, when you're out of line, everything is about you. But when priorities are about him, you live from a position of generosity. You live from a position of full rather than empty. Let me put it on the screen like this, the quote there. The, when your life is priority one, living life generously is not a priority. Why? Because it's all about you. And I want you to think about that just for a second because many of us might consider ourselves generous, but what about forgiveness? And what about showing grace or extending grace? What about extending compassion rather than condemnation? You ever looked at somebody and just said, that, that serves them right? You ever looked at somebody on TV, a, a superstar or an athlete or maybe some super preacher on TV and, and they do something crazy? Serves them right. Do you, do you understand that's living from a heart of, of inward? That's living from a priority of it's, it's about me, I'm better than everybody else, rather than from generosity. Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower and the seed. Let me go to that real quick. It says, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. But listen to this. All too quickly, the message is crowded out by what? 
by the things that are more important to you than God. The cares of, and, and riches and pleasures of this life. And they never grow into maturity. This is about priority. This is about centering your life in the right, in the, in the place where God's number one. It doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean everything's going to go the way you want it. It doesn't mean you're not going to get hurt. It doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. But when you live life as God is priority, he says this, everything else falls in line. And when everything falls in line, you don't have to worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. What you, you don't have to worry about you. He takes care of you when you live your life from a position of full a position of generosity. The second thing, the second thing is planning with no purpose. And this has to do with our time, and I'm not going to take a lot of time on this, but I think a lot of us struggle with our schedules, especially if you're, if you're going, you're growing, and you've got things going on with your kids, you've got things going on with your work, with your business. With, and there's just so many things that, that pull for our time. But a lot of us, we live our lives on accident. It's just whatever happens today, whatever happens, okay, we react to that. Whatever happens tomorrow, we react to that. Instead of planning with purpose, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Paul says it this way. Don't you realize that we're all in this race, okay, this life, this journey of life, we're all in it. But he says, run with purpose in every step. In other words, don't live your life on accident. Don't, live, don't plan your day or plan your, your week or your month on, on accident, but Put some time and effort in planning because when, listen to this, let me put it on the screen like this, the, this, the quote, when you, when you do not plan with a purpose, our schedule will dominate our lives. You and I both know this. When you don't plan with a purpose, your, your schedule will dominate your lives and keep us from living generously. Number three, and this is huge, and I want to give some context to this, emotionally and mentally drained. It is, it is hard to have margin when you are mentally and emotionally drained, and I want to talk about uh, clinical depression right now. This is, I want to put that to the side because many of us, there, there's real things about that. We struggle, and, and doctors can help, and psychologists can help, and, and counselors can help. I want to talk about, though, just everyday life and allowing things to emotionally and mentally drain us, okay? Because that happens. Now, I'm not talking about seasons, just little seasons of stress or seasons of of. Of, uh, of, of, of worry. I'm talking about a lifestyle where you live on empty in this regard. Emotion is it like this, and he has much to say about this. And it doesn't mean his thoughts that he, we're getting ready to read doesn't mean that it's wrong for us to, to worry, that it's wrong for us to have stress. How many, how many are just natural worriers? You have the gift of worry. Would you just raise your hand? So, yeah, so many of us have that. It's, that's, that's not wrong. That's just a part of our makeup. But here's what he says about this. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So when you find yourself stressed, when you find yourself emotionally drained, mentally drained, he says, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then, listen to this, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. It guards our hearts, our emotions, and it guards our minds the way we think. Emotionally exhausted, mentally exhausted. What, is, what does Paul say to do? He says, hey guys, listen, it's gonna come in your life. You're gonna have times in which you feel overwhelmed, stressed out, discouraged, worried, and you let that overtake you. And let me tell you something. When you let that overtake you, there is no margin for anyone else. 
There is no margin for giving. There, and I'm talking about money here. There's no margin for giving of yourself. You see that phone call of a friend who you know it's going to be 30 minutes, and you just, you just turn it off because you're like, I can't deal with it right now. I am so stressed out, right? How many have ever lived there? Don't raise your hands, but we've, we've all lived there. But Paul says, man, you need, you need the peace that passes understanding, that guards your emotions, that guards your mind. And then he says one final thing. Fix your thoughts on things that are above. One final thing, just, you gotta, and here's what we do, and I do it too. When, when, and it's easy for me to say as a pastor to say, hey, don't do that. Well, I do it too, but we, we, we get our minds centered on who? Me. Get our minds centered on our problem, our, our family, our marriage. Our, we get our minds centered on everything about me. And he says, hey, think on things that are above. Think, think on things that are pure. Think on things that are noble. Think on things. And listen, that's what happens when we are emotionally, and go back to that. I'm sorry, give the quote. When we are emotionally anxious and worried and mentally drained, all we can think about is ourselves. And that was true in the desert. When I was going through the desert, all I could think about was that light. I was not worried about anything else. If somebody had been on the side of the road with a hatchet in their back, I'd have been like, sorry. I am, I don't know about that, but you know, it was just stressful because when you're stressed and you're drained, all you can think about is you and there is no margin for anyone else. That's why there's so many marriage problems. That's why there's a lot of relational difficulty because there's just no margin. There's no grace for that. There's no compassion. There's no forgiveness. It's all about me. And you will never live, listen, you will never live the way Jesus called us to live in every area of our lives when you have no margin. It just doesn't happen. It won't happen. The fourth, the fourth is draining relationships. Let me give you context to this one. Uh, I'm not talking about your marriage, so you can look straight ahead, right? I'm not talking about your wife or your husband. They may be draining, of course, yes, but those are too complicated for me to, to discuss right here. But I am talking about relationships that we are allowing to drain us and it causes us to live with no margin in this area. And I'll, go full, I'll, I'll talk about more about that in a minute. Romans 12, though, Paul says it this way. Do all that you can to live with peace or live in peace with everyone. So in other words, don't let it be about you that a relationship is disconnected. If you're the reason the relationship is disconnected, you're living, with, you're living on empty. He says that do everything in your power to live at peace with everyone. But here's the deal. How many know that it's only one-sided? Because you can't control anybody else. So here's what, I, here's what I would say to that. Let me put it on the screen like this. Don't allow relationships to hold you hostage. And many of us are held hostage right now with parents who have already passed away because we never made it right. And we live in guilt we live in, in stress and worry and, and, and a draining, or maybe we have relationships that are, not, that are not right right now. They're not restored. They're disconnected. And we just, I mean, it just drives us crazy, and I get it. But at the end of the day, when you have done everything that you know to do to make peace, to live with peace with everyone, you need to move on. You've got to just move on. I've had to do it. You'll have to do it. But many of us are held hostage with relationships. And here's what happens. When this happens, 
And, and we just kind of go, you know what? I'm not going to let that happen again. We build walls around us relationally. And the next relationship, we won't, we won't dive in. Why? Because we got hurt. And this affects your generosity. And again, generosity is maybe the, a bad word to use, but, but it, affects, it affects the way we live with, in our relationships. It affects the way we live with, it, with our family. It affects the way we live with our friendships. At Hope, we have a mission. Our mission is to invite everyone to find Jesus and then help them move to the center of God's purpose for their lives. That's our mission. Our second motto is come to hope and get hurt. Because how many have been hurt in church? How many, raise your hand. Let me see. If you've been hurt in church, I've been hurt in church, you've been hurt in church, it's going to happen. But what happens when that happens is we build walls around us and we never, we never give fully. Why? Because we have no margin relationally. And it keeps us from living from a position of joy, from living from a position of full. We're empty and we have nothing to give. We're hurt and those things are real. I'm not saying they're not real. I'm saying do everything you can to live in peace and then move on, move on and get the margin that you need. And the last one, well, I saved this one for last. Spiritually empty. Spiritually empty. This is the most important because, and in my opinion, because when you're spiritually empty in every, every, every other area of your life, you're going to be empty. It's not going to work the way that it should when there's no word, no prayer, no community with the body of Christ. And you know what I'm saying? We're just spiritually empty. No life-giving relationship with God. And here's what happens when we become spiritually empty. I'm going to put it on the screen like this. Here's what happens. When we are spiritually empty, our lives, listen to this, default to control. Because here's the, here's the bottom line. When, it's, when we're not right like this, it's hard to be right like this. That's just, that's just bottom line. When you're not right right here, this comes so much harder. So when we're spiritually empty, we take control of our lives. We take control of our finances. We take control of our relationships. We take control of everything. And we're, we get stressed out and we live selfishly. Empty spiritual tanks keep us from living our lives generously. And many of us, we're running on empty spiritually. We're, when's the last time we really read our word? When's the last time you really sought God in prayer for something? When's the last time you were in deep community with brothers and sisters and, and enjoying what God was doing? When you're living spiritually empty, none of those things happen. Because when this isn't right, this isn't right. Now, when I was growing up, one of the things I hated my dad and my mom to say when I did something wrong is I'd rather them yell at me than say this. And I remember hearing a few times, only a few times though, because I was an exceptional kid. But I remember a couple times they would say, John, we're disappointed in you. Ah, oh, man, I just, because I'm a people pleaser by nature, right? And I just, I was like, oh man, I hate those, I hate those words. So the reason I bring that up is because many of us have this, this feeling from God that he is disappointed in us. And, and so when we feel this disconnect with God, we just, 
right? It's like a relationship. It's like any other relationship. When there's a disconnect, it's like hard to even go there. And, and, and what we feel from God is this like, he's going he's gonna to really give it to us. He's going to really sit us down and say, you know what I paid for you? You know how much I've done? I am so disappointed. And I'm going to tell you this. Here's what I believe with all my heart. And I know that, that God disciplines those he loves. I know there is a time in which he disciplines. And of course, and, it, and it's good for us. We don't really like it, but it, it's good. But when you are empty, listen to this. When this is, dis, when this is not right and disconnected, you are stressed out and you're living on empty virtually in every area of your life. Nothing's working right. Let me tell you what Jesus says. You need to know this. Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all you are weary and carry heavy burdens. And here's what he says. I will give you what? I'll give you rest. When the, when the prodigal son came home, He did not come home to a father. Listen to this. He did not come home to a father who was waiting on the porch with a belt. He came home to a father running to him and he embraced him. And if you feel like you're living on empty in areas of your life and you just feel like, God, how do I make it right? Well, Jesus made it really easy. And he just said, come home. Come here. I'm, 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 I'm not going to discipline. I'm just going to wrap my arms around you, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. I am not prideful. I don't come to you with pride, but I come with a gentle heart, a humble heart. And if you're living on empty in your lives, and you just feel like, man, I can't take one more, you know, I'm disappointed in you. Listen to this. He just says, come. Come to me. My dad always taught me this. My first car was a 1973 Ford Maverick. Very nice car. And I worked at HEB grocery stores. That's a, that was a, in South Texas, that was a big grocery store chain. And I made $2.85 an hour and worked about 10 hours a week. So you take taxes out of that. I got about 20 to 25 bucks. My check would be about 20 or 25 bucks a week. And it was a six-cylinder, 250 car. So, I mean, I don't know. It took probably 15 bucks to fill it up, maybe 16 or whatever. But you know where I lived in that gas tank? I lived on the edge. You know what I'd do? Every every paycheck, I'd go put in three or four bucks. Seriously. I remember. I'd go put in three or four bucks. Because I didn't want to, you know, $15 and my check was 20. That only left me five bucks for bubble gum or whatever I was doing. My dad always taught me this. He said, John, let me put on the screen, this, this, this is where we need to be. And he says, John, if you'll get to there, it doesn't cost you any more money to live on full than it does to live on empty. He said, just, you know what, get it right there, see where it is, and then put $3 in. And then you have margin in your life for what may happen. And many of us, we live the way I lived in high school. We live our tanks. We live our lives. We live our, our emotions. We live our minds. We, we live our priorities. We live our plans. We live on empty. And there's just no margin. And so when the challenges come and the stress comes in our lives, we don't know what to do. We don't have anything in the tank. So let me just tell you today, Jesus comes to you. 
not with a sword. He comes to you with his heart. And he says, come here. I'll give you rest. Today's your day. Live life generously. Live life positioned full. And I promise you this. I promise you this. It won't cost you any more to live with margin. And you will have room for everyone else with your grace, with your compassion, with your forgiveness, with your resources, because you have margin. You know this in your budget. You know this in your budget. When you have margin, somebody asks for money, it's not that big of a deal. When you have nothing, stressed. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you're just not, you're not like us. So, so you're not carrying grudges about what we've done and going around telling us you're disappointed, but you, you just say, come. If you're weary, if you're carrying heavy burdens, and I think so many of us, including myself, we, we, we allow ourselves to run empty. And then it becomes awkward. It becomes too expensive to get back to full, so we just stay there. Lord, may, you, may your Holy Spirit pour over us today with the generous grace that you give and which you've called us to live. May we position ourselves and our lives on, in, on, on full rather than empty. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to invite our ushers to start to prepare to distribute communion because on this Sunday, we're going to have the opportunity to take communion together. And you don't have to. Many times there's good reasons why Christians choose not to take communion. But every single one of you are invited to take communion. And that is an extension of God's heart that Pastor John taught us about, that the table's open. It's not open for the qualified because I wouldn't be qualified. I'm not qualified by my own morality, my own self-will, my own discipline. But Jesus made the way for me. And he says, there's always a place at my table for you because my grace, my grace is reaching out to you. And I paid the price that you couldn't pay yourself. And we, we've received so much wisdom this morning. Pastor John taught us some important things, things I'm going to be thinking about this afternoon and through the week. I'm so glad that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit with us to teach us and to help us to apply these scriptures to our lives, to apply these principles to our lives. And, and communion reminds us that Jesus is the center of our faith. It's not just about behavioral modification. It's about heart transformation. And we go to this bread and we go to the cup and it symbolizes the who Jesus is and we believe his very presence is with us when we go to the Lord's table so I'm just believing that as we've been fed the word of God that now we're going to exercise our faith 
uh, through going to the Lord's table. And, and, and I, what I'm going to ask you to do is that after I bless the elements, they'll be distributed to you. And I'm going to ask you to hold those, reflect as Pastor Aubrey uh, will lead us in worship. And then I'm going to come back and, and we're all going to confess sins to the Lord together. Um, we're all going to just present our lives to Jesus together. And, and God's no respecter of persons. He's going to cleanse us and fill us with his spirit and focus us on Jesus all together. And, and I'm so happy that we know Christ in the mystery of his gospel. Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the bread and the cup we're about to partake of, we do this in faith. We do this as your people, as Jesus' people, knowing that your presence is in the elements. Lord, knowing that, Lord, we are wholly, completely dependent upon Jesus Christ as the center of our faith. All of these principles that we learn today, these, these nuggets of wisdom are reflections of your love and who you are. And we thank you that you always help us live the truth we discover. And we thank you that there's a place waiting for us at your table. And so we enter it in now as we reflect on this message, as we reflect upon our relationship with you. We just pray that, Lord, we would confess any sins to you and we would turn our heart to Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.